You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Isaiah chapter 54. <clears throat> I believe we've come with expectant hearts. How many of us are ready for where the Lord is taking us? We're about to cross over into a new year. And um, I'm always reminded that, you know, when you think of time, midnight is what we consider to be the start of a new day. But if you look at our calendar, uh, it's a Gregorian calendar. It doesn't fit with the Jewish calendar. So, and, and with God, really, there is no time. Yet God does speak in specific moments. He will say, at this time, such and such must happen. And then that proceeds to the next moment. And so as we prepare to head into the 20, 2024, we want to make sure that we just don't go in blindly. How many of you have ever set a New Year's resolution and then by Tuesday it's gone? <laughs> we, we don't just want to make empty plans. And the word is very clear that without vision, the people perish. Without vision, there's no constraint. In other words, if you've got nothing to live for, why get up in the morning? That's where... People got no direction. They do stupid things because there's no specific direction. When you have a vision, when you have somewhere you're going, when you know what the plan is and there's a destination, from the time you get up, that day is already constrained to that and you have a purpose to fulfill. And so what, what, what constrains us? What directs us? What gives us purpose in our year? Well, as we entered into 2023, the Lord spoke to us about enhancing, eliminating, and expanding. Enhancing, eliminating, and expanding. In other words, whatever we're doing that is of God, make sure that we put focus onto that and do it with greater zeal, do it with greater expectation, with greater purpose. The things that are not of God, eliminate those. Get that out of your life. There's so much that we do that slows us down. There's nothing necessarily wrong with them. It's not a sin, but they become a heavy weight. And God speaks about casting off sin and the heavy weight so we can run and fulfill the call that God has put in our lives. And then the expansion. Why expansion? Well, the Word tells us that God sent His Son. He says, unto us a child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. We serve a God who is ever expanding his kingdom. Ever expanding. And he gave us this word in Isaiah 54 verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Everybody say, do not spare. Now, if you're not going to spare, that means don't spare in expenses, don't spare in resources, don't spare in staff, don't spare in... How many recognize that's talking about abundant provision? If you're not going to spare, that means whatever God's called you to do, you want to make sure that you have sufficient resources to fulfill it. And that's part of God's promise that He will supply not only all your need, but there would be over and above to fulfill every God every call that God has given you. And sometimes where people misunderstand prosperity. Prosperity is not about having the yacht and six cars and all those sort of things. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying things if God gives you them to enjoy. But we must understand 
that the purpose of prosperity is not just to look wealthy. The purpose of prosperity is that whatever you call to do, you can fulfill. And that may look different in your life to someone else's life. Someone else, it may be that they need a jet to do what they're doing. But for someone else, it may just be a bicycle because that's the terrain, that's what they need. But they need all the resources to make sure that that bicycle is always taken care of. Can I hear a bigger amen? So if you understand that, it's about having all the resources you need to survive as well as enough that you can fulfill whatever God's called you to do without any hindrance. So he says, do not spare. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Why is he saying this? Because he says, you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. In other words, even where the enemy has caused destruction, God says his people will move in and restore that place. We as the church are called to restore nations. It's not just building a religious organization. It's about getting involved in our daily lives, in our daily world, and we bring the life into our marketplace, life into what God's called us to do so that we can establish God's kingdom in the entire earth. Can I get a bigger amen? And so God is increasing you. He's calling you to expand. Now, if I had to ask you tonight, how many of you saw that in your life? Maybe a business expanded, maybe your investments expanded, maybe your family expanded. Someone may have expanded where we didn't want to, but we'll deal with the rest of that. But that's part of eliminate. But how many of you saw God expand you? Come on, let me see. You, you saw it this year. So you've seen expansion in your life, in your ministry, in your home cell, in your region, in your area. And I believe we're going to see it in our nation. Can I get a bigger amen? And so if you missed this morning, I really want to encourage you, make sure you get that message, get the podcast, because we spoke about how so many people this year, as the year draws to close, are starting to say, thank God 23 is over. Man, this year I've had problems before, but this year's like everything came unstuck. It was like January I had this problem, February and March was this one, and then April, and then how many of you can say, you know, you, you've noticed there was an increase of attention of the enemy in your life? And you have to ask yourself, why? Why is the reason for that? And so we spoke about that from Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Luke spoke about the word of God is seed. Say that, the word of God is seed. Now, seed has to be sown to grow. And Jesus says, these are the, what, the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Speaking of the soil of the heart of the hearer. When they hear, what happens? Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, these likewise, there's still the enemy involved, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for what reason? For the word's sake, immediately they stumble or are offended. These are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and what happens? The cares of this world 
the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But, so I'm about to hear about me. These are the ones sown on good ground. They hear the word, they accept the word, they bear fruit from that word, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, family of God, you do understand that verse 20, those that produce the 30, 60, 100-fold, don't produce that because they, 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 they produce that not because they didn't have the same challenges as the other three. How you know Satan still came to steal the word? He still brought tribulation and persecution. He still brought an attempt to offend you. He still tempted you with offense. The deceitfulness of riches. Try to get your eyes off of the real purpose. It now becomes about the car and the house and getting rich. It's about the cares of this world. All the worries start to come up. How many you know every believer is challenged with that? And we had a look at that this morning that Jesus told us very clearly that in this world we're going to have tribulation. He said these things are going to happen. He says in John 16, these things I've spoken to you that you may have peace in this world. You will have tribulation. How many you know the enemy still got his focus on you? You stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. You think he says, oh, well, I lost that one. Or do you think he's going to still come and try and get a hold of you? I don't care how long you've been in the Word. I know for myself, I've been in this for decades. How many of you understand, based on what I teach and how, where I stand, everything I believe is based on, you want to ask me what I believe, I don't tell you my denomination or my pastor said, it is written, it is the Word. And yet the enemy will still come and challenge me to try to get me to give up on what I believe. Hits me with the same problems. People look at my lives. Well, if I had a life like you, I'd also be blessed. Hang on, you don't see the battle in the background fights. I go through the same challenges, the same temptations, the same things that try and distract me. But I've learned to do what he says in his word. I understand trouble's coming. I don't, when things happen to me, I've, you've heard me say it before, I made a decision long ago. Whenever I'm faced with something and I read the Word and I don't seem to be receiving according to what it says, I always start with, God, you are never wrong. I never question you. I never say, how can this happen to me? And we go to our list. Oh, I'm a pastor. How could this happen? What, what's that got to do with it? I teach these things. So? Even the devil believes And he's in fear and trembling. See, just believing is not enough. It's, it's knowing what to do with what you believe. And so we understand that these same temptations face all of us. And Jesus said, you will have tribulation. I'm not going to spend time in that this evening because we've already sorted that out this morning. I wanted that as a foundation. He said, be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. That's why John wrote in his letter, 1 John 5, he says, verse 3, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. Whatever's born of God. Is that you? Say, I'm born of God. And just as Jesus has overcome the world, in Him, I've also overcome the world. 
Because he says, this is the victory. Everybody say victory. That has overcome the world, our faith. But you notice it starts with, this is the love of God in verse 3. That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. It's not just about being born again and say, hallelujah, now I've overcome. There is this obedience aspect. Everybody say obedience. There are commandments that Jesus gives us. And we understand those commandments are not to weigh us down. It's to take us to this place where when you're born of God, He says yeah, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if it's talking about us keeping His commandments, how many of you believe you love God? Now, notice I worded it very carefully. I didn't ask you how many of you love God. I said, how many you believe you love God? Because we all want to. We want to be known that we love God. But that love is demonstrated in keeping His commandments. Love is an action. It's going to manifest in an action. God so loved the world that he acted. He gave his son. So, what would you say is the greatest commandment of Jesus? What would be the penultimate? Well, let's have a look. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has got through the cross. He's paid the supreme price. He rose from the dead. He was given the name above all names. And then he goes to the disciples that he spent three years teaching the kingdom of God and demonstrating that kingdom. And he says in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Who's got all the authority? Jesus. You Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You heard Pastor Gary earlier on saying that, how Peter had revelation that Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus said, on that revelation, I will build my church. Jesus didn't say, go and build it for him. He's personally involved. I said, he's personally involved. How many want Jesus personally involved in your life? But you notice he said, I'm with you when you're teaching others everything I commanded you. In other words, we are walking the life that Jesus taught. This isn't just going to church and saying, hallelujah, Jesus is with me. It's when I take what He's taught me and I walk diligently in His commandments. And then that lifestyle is so demonstrative of the presence of God that others will see it and they will take out of that and it will affect their lives. It'll change their lives. We teach what we live and it's not always done from a pulpit. It's living before people. There are people that you want to preach the gospel to that won't give you the time of day, but they're watching you. 
you are the Bible they're reading. They don't pick up that page book in the morning. They don't go to John and Luke and all this other. They're watching you. You're a Christian? Let me check you out. And we are the ones who must demonstrate Christ in the earth. Can I get a bigger amen than that? And so we understand that if anything that is Jesus' instruction, it's this one. This is the supreme command is to teach others what he's taught us. And we understand that as a result of that, those persecutions will come. That's why we saw Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it all because we spoke about it this morning. But we saw Paul saying that he was buffeted with a messenger from Satan. The enemy was trying to stop Paul getting to the revelations that he was receiving. And he was saying, lest I be exalted above measure, these things were happening to me. So he appealed to God to get rid of that enemy. And you notice that God didn't say, that's it, I'll stop the devil for you. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Why would God say that? Well, we saw from the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. It's when you're attacked, when you have persecution, when that tribulation comes, when those challenges, when you're suffering, we know that we cannot do it on our own. That's where we say, God, I can't do this anymore. We need to understand it's not, you don't break down and cry at that moment. What you do is you step into that throne of grace. You come before God and you seek His face. You say, God, I am not just a normal everyday person. I don't have to try and find the solution on my own. You said you would help me. I've come for grace to help me. And God says, if you do that, you will find grace that's going to help you. But understand this, the handling of the enemy, the Bible says you submit to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, how am I going to do that? By the grace of God. The devil doesn't just listen to anybody. Remember those seven sons of Sceva who came along and they decided they're going to cast some demons out. And they said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul serves, come out. And the demons said, well, Paul we know, Jesus we know, who are you? And sent them streaking, stripped their clothes off them and sent them down the road. Are you getting a hold of this? So it's the person that is, has God's presence in their life, God's understanding, God's grace is helping me. And here's the situation is that doesn't matter what you're facing, God may not necessarily cause that thing to stop. When those three young boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those young men landed up in the fire, God didn't put the fire out. He came to stand with them. You're going through this because I have a testimony because you're going to come out of this. And people are going to know there's no ways you could have gone through this without me. But I'm, yeah, I'm going to take you. Just hang in there. Watch. Keep your eyes on me. And they got through that situation. Daniel in the lion's den. Same thing. You understand? There's sometimes you'll land up in a situation. Now, when we rejoice in these things, that's where Paul says, I gladly rejoice in my infirmities. He's not saying you should, you know, look for trouble and embrace trouble. And, you know, I'm a Christian. I should be suffering. I didn't suffer today. Let me go find a problem. That's not what he's talking about. 
because we understand the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. So when the thief does rock up, God may say, okay, now that this has happened, look on me, get your eyes on me, trust me. Don't start running now, don't start crying. When that Goliath showed up, David didn't go and hide with the rest of them in their holes. He said, Where's, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm the one with a covenant. This is an enemy. And he runs at his problem. Today, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. How did he have that confidence? Because he walked with God. He knew his God. He trusted his God. And family of God, I want to encourage us. This year, we need to get our eyes on God more than we ever have before. We need to come focused on God. That's our first focus. When problems hit, don't, I'm gonna have another meeting. Now we gotta go and sit with these people. Gotta go talk to them, try and sort this out. There are times that we should do that, but make sure you first go and spend time in the throne of grace and listen for His wisdom. And God may say, don't say anything. Watch me deliver you. Now, we don't like that because we want to sort it out. We want to give our mind. Let that me give them a piece of my mind. But there may be times God will say, now, this is what you need to go say on my behalf. He'll give you the right words. You do, you're going to have a meeting, but say this. And here's the key. Say that and only that. Because the moment you add to it, you're adding extra. And then you're back in your own flesh again. You're getting a hold of this. So it's making a decision, knowing that God's grace will take me through. It doesn't matter. Even though I may feel like I'm at my weakest, that's when I am still strong. Come on, give Jesus praise. And we know this worked for Paul because he said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, you've carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, my long suffering, so evidently he did suffer, he, his love, his perseverance, you saw my persecutions, my afflictions, they happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. So this did affect Paul. It, 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 it got to him. But notice he says, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Everybody say, out of them all. The Lord delivered him. Remember Psalm 34, verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord delivers them out of? Now, sometimes that deliverance doesn't look like you think it should. I think deliverance means stop my problem. But God may say, you need to go through that. Because at the end of that, is that testimony that's gonna show that I'm still strong, I'm still God, I'm the one that has your life in the palm of my hand and I'm taking you to where I need you to be. For Joseph to land up in the prison, he had to go through brothers who hated him, wanted to kill him, sell him to traders, lie to their father, Nochal, and then he lands up in the house of a man who then gives him total trust, and then just the first thing that goes wrong is doesn't believe him. He lands up in prison. His friends in prison forget him after they are delivered. 
Give me a break. Talk about a life where you could have got offended all along the way. But he stayed faithful. Why? He had a vision. I know what God has said to me. And if I'm headed there, I don't care how I get there, God has got this. And you notice how that root is how God got him to that palace. So we may not like the journey, but know this, God has got you. We need to put all our trust in Him. Family, I'm saying it again more than ever before, we're going to have to focus our eyes on Jesus. Stop trying to sort things out in your own strength and ability. Someone say amen. And he goes on, he says, yes, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Come down to verse 16. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I am now in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 17, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. Say this, all scripture is given so that I can be complete. What's that? Matured, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's our purpose, family, as this ministry, is to make sure that you are thoroughly equipped to do everything God's called you to do. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11? God Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what reason? For the equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? Saint doesn't just mean somebody who died long ago and then found out we did a miracle and then we'll ordain him as a saint. Like that person, you know, sometimes we say, oh, he's such a saint. You know, we want to say they, they're so perfect, they're so good. No, a saint, the word saint means sanctified one. Someone who's set apart. How many you know you've been set apart for God's kingdom? Lift your hand and say, I thank God. He has set me apart. I am the saint that this is talking about. So God gives you this fivefold ministry. I'm your pastor in your life in order to equip you for the work of ministry. The work of ministry. For what reason? To edify the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to this perfect man, this complete man that you're going to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we are no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. See, family, that's what happens. We, we hear the Word, we start walking in the Word, we start succeeding in that Word, and now the enemy brings us all these different YouTube videos and CDs and have you seen and have you read, and you notice how these things start to corrupt our timeline, our, our viewing line. And I know for myself, who's been teaching this for years, if I suddenly say, well, let me just see what they're saying today. And then I go, Pfft. 
There again, now that's a total misunderstanding, misrepresentation. They say this is why it's not right and this is not correct. And everything they're saying is not what's been taught. Total misquote, lies about what has happened. And then I realize I have to now go back. What does the word say? And I have to reteach myself, so to speak. Go to the word and fill my heart with faith. Why? Because that attack is there to drain us. It causes that tossing to and fro. But when you hear the Word of God and you're standing on that Word, you become a mature Christian. And he says here, but speak the truth in love. Grow up in all things into him who is the head. That's Christ. Who's the head? Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which, <clears throat> by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. How? In love. Notice, every part does its share. So that great commission where Jesus says, go make disciples, that's not just your pastor. We all have a part to play. Every single person who ever gives their life to Jesus, someone says, I'm not much in the body of Christ. I'm just like the little toe. Even the little toe helps in balancing. I'm telling you now, you, you have a problem, and for some, not you, but somebody has some problem, and they have to have their toe removed. They have to learn to walk all over again. All of a sudden, they're falling over, and, and, and they don't know why they're falling over, because that little toe looked to grip, and it wasn't there. Every part in your body is there for a reason. God designed your body for you to live and succeed. And so every part, every one of us have something to do in the body of Christ. Can I get a bigger amen? And so that's where Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 20, He says, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. It begins with hearing. It begins with hearing. And then accept it, and they bear fruit. Remember Romans chapter 10? Paul was teaching, he says in verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Remember how we overcome? By faith. Faith in what Jesus has said. So he says, this is the word that we preach. But notice he says here, the word is in your heart and in your mouth. Sometimes I hear people say, well, God knows my heart. Well, your mouth will reflect what's in your heart. There's a reason behind that. And he says, this is what we preach, the word of faith. Everybody say the word of faith. Why is it called that? Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How do you know when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, at that moment, every sin was paid for. God doesn't pay off sin in installments. So these people that just got saved, now Jesus pays for that sin. No, it was paid for and finished on the cross. Can I get a bigger amen? But you notice it didn't manifest until somebody said, I believe. The day before 
you were saved. If you died, you would have gone to hell for eternity. But thank God you heard the gospel in a way that you could respond. And that response was more than just coming sitting in a chair in church. It is a declaration of faith. And on that declaration, the gift that's already paid for manifested in your life. And you were born again. Come on, give Jesus praise for that. Hallelujah. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's true for anything that you receive in the, in the kingdom of God. Whatever promise God has made, you receive it by faith. We, we know that to be in the natural. You can have seeds in your hand, but until you plant that seed, it's not going to manifest. You can desire to build a magnificent building, but until you sit down and talk to the architect, it's not going to be drawn. Then the architect draws it, and that plan is then given to a builder, and that builder gives his staff instructions. It's only when we voice that these things begin to manifest. We accept that in the natural, but that's true of the supernatural as well. That's why Paul said the word is in my heart and in my mouth. And he says, verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Family, no matter what you're going through, no matter what persecution, what tribulation, whatever the enemy's bringing against you, no matter how he's trying to talk you down, know this. If God is for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Paul, and we read it this morning, many will, will call you evil because of what you believe. You have to make a decision. I know what the word says. And even if I'm criticized for it, I'm standing for Jesus. What he taught me is what I'm living for. And if you do that, God will make sure you never put to shame. Come on, give Jesus praise. Look at verse 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Family God, what we hear in services like this is God speaking to us about the promises He has for us. It's true when it comes to salvation. No one can get saved until they hear God loves them, died for them, and rose from the dead. We need to be preaching that. We need to be telling people those things. But I also found out that my wife, who was destined for a life in a wheelchair, I didn't know she could be healed until someone was bold enough to tell me Jesus still heals today. Even at the threat that I would walk out of my mother's life and just totally walk out as a son. I said, you bring up the name of Jesus, bring up the word, I will walk out of your life. And she was bold enough that in that moment, that was persecution. That was the threat of losing her son. She still stood on the word, Jesus will heal you today. And Janine took that, believed it, and said, I believe. And God healed her. Totally. Totally. Even the medical doctor looking at an x-ray said, that's not medically 
possible. Come on, you give Jesus praise. Now, how did that happen? Well, you keep going down. That's when you get to verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Whatever we're going through, family of God, I can tell you this today. And I'm saying this with all the love in my heart as your pastor. If you thought you went through some challenges this year, it would be remiss of me to say that you're not going to face challenges next year. I know you want to hear this is your best year ever. And it will be. Not ever, to date. Because there's still better on the way. This is the best year to date coming up. But it doesn't mean it's going to be without challenges. And it's going to take faith. The just shall live by faith. It's not just because Pastor Allen said it on New Year's Eve. Hallelujah, we got it. That's ours. Praise God. It's going to take you on a daily basis trusting God. That's why I'm in your life primarily is to deliver faith into your heart. We're here to reach the lost. We have salvation calls all the time, but me on a regular basis as your pastor, one of my assignments is to make sure you have a daily dose, a continuous supply of provision of the Word of God to cause faith to rise in your heart. It's so important to see that. Remember Jesus, Mark 11 verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Everybody say that. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever the things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Now, family of God, notice what Jesus is saying here. He had just spoken to a tree. And now, <laughs> the disciples are shocked by that. And he says, if you speak to this mountain. Now, how many of you understand Jesus is not saying that we as Christians can now start moving mountains around? Can you imagine that? Uh, I, I, I prefer Table Mountain if it's over there. You know, my view is a little around the corner. I need it more over here. So I'll move the mountain overnight. Then you wake up and say, no, I want the mountain there. Now, how do you know that's not going to happen? Unless God wants it. I mean, do you think it's possible to move a mountain? Okay, there's still a question mark. Do you think it's possible to open a sea? Now, that doesn't happen every day either. But when God needed it, it was done. That's why, see, this is where people misunderstand faith. Faith isn't deciding what you want and flinging it out there. And Jesus said, I can have whatever I say. No, he start with have faith in God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's hearing the word of Christ. What does God say on the issue? So I begin with what does He want? What is His plan? What is His purpose? And once I know what His plan is and His purpose is, 
then based on that, he will give me instructions. And then it's my responsibility to voice that. And when I voice what he said, he'll back it up. It's not me deciding and now making God do it. See, the focus has to be my eyes on him. He is my faith. The word that comes from him. Say this, when I put my eyes on Jesus and I listen for his instructions, when he gives me something to believe for and speak, it'll happen. See, when he told us this is our building, the owner didn't want to give it to us. He put someone else in here. In fact, when the other person, the next group were put in here, I had people say, because I said, this is our building. God spoke to me very clearly. This is it. So what did I do? I get up and I tell the whole church. Yeah. No, hallelujah. Next moment, there's a nightclub in here. In no, pastor. See, those that weren't rooted didn't understand. Sometimes there's a process. But I knew what God had said. So I don't lose heart. I keep that confession alive. And as I keep that confession alive, I'm trusting God. God worked it out in a way I couldn't even thought. I didn't know who next to visit and who next to go and pay a bribe or whatever. No, <laughs> all the things we come up with, well, maybe if I take them out for lunch then. No, I just trusted God. He said it. I'm resting. I'm resting. It's learning to rest in the knowledge that when He has given your word a promise, you can confidently stand in it. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. See, Job chapter 22, verse 28 says, You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. And when they cast you down, you say, exaltation will come. Then he will save the humble person. Remember Paul saying, lest I should be exalted above measure. It wasn't that God didn't want him exalted. But he had to make sure that he's positioned right to be in that place to exalt. Because if we do it in our own flesh, pride will come. I said, if we saw something else in our own flesh, we could say, you, you can get people that even they pray, hallelujah, God says. And then when it happens, they say, you know, I prayed for that. Hang on. That, that's a form of pride, isn't it? You prayed, but who did it? I said, who did it? You may have voiced your prayer, but it had nothing to do with you. And I'm saying you to me too. I have to recognize whatever that has happened yet, Jesus said he would build his church. What you're seeing yet tonight is all God. It's all Jesus. Come on, how do you say amen to that? So notice, if you make sure that you're in the right place, God will save the humble person. In that place, you declare that thing and it will be established. God's given us that responsibility. So now, let's talk about this this humility and this grace. Have a look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. This is going to help you walk in greater glory. Family of God, I see great increase happening. And I'm not just talking about increase 
when people immediately focus on the money. There's an increase of anointing coming to your life. There's an expansion happening in what you're doing. The, the message of expansion didn't come to an end because now the clock's ending. There's a greater anointing to do what you need to do. There's an increase of provision, however that provision, it may be people, it may be lands, may, whatever you need, it's happening. But here's the key that's going to make it happen. Likewise, younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but gives. Come boldly before the throne of grace, and I will give you grace in a time of need. Who does he give grace to? The humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Now, this is where people misunderstand humility. They think humility means to talk quiet, hide in the corner. I'm so humble. That's not humility. Humble yourselves how? Under the mighty hand of God. Position yourself in His presence, in His glory, in His anointing. Make it about Him. Place yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? He will exalt you in due time, in due time, in due time. But it may be you're not yet in a true place of humility and there's me some more work. We need to get some of that fried out of there. There may be some refining that has to happen and fire refines gold and silver. But in that refining, in due time, you will be exalted. Now, how do you do this? Verse 7, cast how much? All. all your care upon Him. Cast all your care upon Him. Why? He cares for you. Lift your hand and say, thank God He cares for me. What's He saying? You shouldn't be carrying the care. You're not to carry the burden. The problems are coming, but don't stress under it. Don't buckle under it. Get right into that throne of grace. Say, Father, without you, I am nothing. Without Jesus, I am nothing. I lay it all down. I will, I will give everything away. If, 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 if it's my house that's keeping me from serving you, get rid of the house. If, if I, I, I would, the day I find something's an idol in my life, I will dump it like that. I, you can take whatever you want. Janine and I had it. We had our house emptied. We had people break in and we walked in and our house, everything that you could tangibly think of, could be, it was taken. Just the big things like the bed and the couch was left. Like you're starting again. And we looked at each other and you said, you know what? We give it. We sow it. If I had a knock on the door and the person came back and said, we apologize, we're bringing your stuff back, too late. We've already given it to you. Go home. You can't steal from a giver. 
See, whatever someone takes, God will get it back to me. I don't have time for that whole testimony. And he did. He restored us way beyond I could ever imagine. And I didn't do it for that reason. Now, that happened. I just discovered that's what, how it works. Are you getting this? Come on, say amen. amen. So notice verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. What's he doing? Tribulation, persecution, cares, worries, deceitfulness of riches. Try to get your eyes off the word. What must you do? Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of how much? All grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you've suffered a while, perfect, mature, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got all of that. Remember Matthew 6:31? Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What will we do after all these things? The Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But He doesn't want you desiring them with worry. How does He solve this? He says, but seek, seek, seek first priority. Family, this year, we're putting our eyes on Jesus. I know you have before. But today, more than ever before. This year, keep God central. His vision, His plan. Not what I think it is. I need to hear from Him. Be directed by Him. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus said, you're going to have trouble today. But seek the kingdom. Keep your eyes on me. You will get through this day better than you thought you would. Come on, give Jesus praise if you're getting this. Are you ready to make Jesus your priority? His word your priority? All right, well now... I want to read to you two portions of Scripture. I'm going to have to really move quickly. As we're about to wrap up this year. Come with me to Luke chapter 5. Now both of these accounts are very similar with slight changes. I'm going to focus on them. I heard a man of God preaching this the other day. And I thought that's exactly in line with what God is showing me about where we're going this year. How you know when God gives you direction, He starts to drop witnesses? I don't just want to say God said. I want the witnesses to confirm. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. It was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And He saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. What was the instruction? Launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
And Simon, but Simon answered, said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the? Oh, that wasn't the word, was it? What did Jesus say? He let down the? Now, that could have been because, you know, there's nothing out there really. But you said, so let me go. But I wonder. Now, that's my assumption. I'm not saying that is how he thought. But I know how humans think. When they'd done this, what happened? They caught a great number of fish and their net was? 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 And they signaled to their partners in the other boat and come and help them. And they came and filled both boats and they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he who were with him and were, all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch Men, from now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. Family, how many realize Jesus wasn't focused on the fish, on the business, on the amount of fish that came in? He wasn't focused on the miracle. He was focused in getting their eyes onto the supreme call, which is men. It's not about your business. It's not about how many cars you can drive. Not about how big you can get. Not about how famous you can become. It's about the church of Jesus and reaching the hearts of men. Jesus died for mankind. He died for people. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can see that. So when they brought their boats to land, they left it all and followed him. Family, I believe that's our call. Am I prepared to lay down everything to follow Him? A very similar account, but it was another one. This was after Jesus had died and rose from the dead. John chapter 21, verse, 30, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the other two disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. So they went out and immediately got into a boat. And that night they caught how much? But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Everybody say, stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him and said, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now I can just imagine these disciples. We have fished the whole sea. And you know, if they did that, they were out here, they were there, they were here, they were there, they were all over the place, fishing, fishing, fishing. And this guy, they don't recognize, standing on the shore, says, go, you're casting on the wrong side, put it on the other side of the world. How many of you realize sometimes God will give us an instruction 
It seems so simple, it seems ridiculous. So they cast, and now we're not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And then the disciple, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits dragging this net with fish. Jesus said, cast the net. They cast the net and they dragging it full of fish. And then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and there were fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to the shore full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. The net was not broken. Isn't that interesting? The first one, when they did not follow the complete instruction, their net broke. They needed nets. This time, they have an amazing catch. And the net is not broken. Peter took this net, dragged it. When Jesus said, bring the fish to me, the net didn't break. And Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. He gave bread and he gave fish. He gave bread he gave fish. I believe that was prophetical. The bread speaks of the word of God. What did he say in the first account? The fish I'm talking about is not the fish you caught in the net. I'm going to make you fishes of men. He gave them bread and he gave them fish. When you obey Jesus... He'll give you all the provision you need. He'll give you the word you need for the faith you need. And the souls will come flooding in. The net will not break. When you obey Him, obey His instructions, do it His way. Center on Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Your net will not break. I don't care how much you expand and how much you grow bigger, how much you increase. If you just take what you've caught and you take it to the master. Jesus already had fish on the, on the, on the bride, on the, on the fire. But he said, bring the fish to me. And when Peter answered with that, he brought what he caught for the purpose of what Jesus called it for. When he got to the shore, he had the bread and the fish. Family of God, I believe now more than ever before, there are souls out there we're going to see expansion like we have never seen before. How are you ready for the word for 2024? This is what I heard in my spirit. 
explore in 2024. Expand even more. Bring the net to shore. Remember who it is for. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness more than ever before. There you go. How much more do you want? More. Hallelujah. Family of God, how are you ready to see this? Explore in 2024. Family, there are things that you're still going to experience that you couldn't even imagine. We've been talking about entering into that fourth dimension. There are things that you cannot explain. How do you explain so much fish? It's because when you have your eyes on the master, he will cause things to happen in your life that will be so amazing that we will expand even more. And the purpose is to bring that net to the shore. Remember who it is for. He died. He paid the price. He's building his church. And as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's more than ever before. Family, more than ever before, make God the center of your life. The purpose of your life. You read it from the Amplified. Seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness. That's His way of doing and being right. Then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. I like the message Bible it includes. says, don't worry about missing out. Hallelujah. Am you ready to expand even more? I'm telling you, family, there is a supernatural anointing. And it's going to take a life of faith. It's going to take walking by faith. But this I do know. God always answers faith. Why? Because it's His instruction. You take what He said. And you fulfill what He's called you to do. Listen for the instructions. Sometimes they're so simple. Just launch out to the right. But if you're in His presence... Listening for His presence, listening for His Word, listening for His instructions. But you're not doing it to try and increase yourself. It's not to try and put on a show, make a name for yourself. It's for His glory. We are here for His purpose. And as we focus on that, remember Jesus when He was calling for a, a wedding feast. Some people said, well, we work, 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 we've got work to do. The other one said, we've got uh, lands to take care of. The other one said, I have a wife. They were all looking for excuses. He said, go and find people that are hurting, struggling, battling. Bring them in. I want my house full. It's time for a full house. Overflowing house. I'm your shout, amen.